From Sacramento, the Bishop's Radio Hour with Bob Dunning, focusing on today's issues in the context of gospel values. Now, here's Bob Dunning on Relevant Radio. That's me. Welcome to you on this beautiful day the Lord has made. Appreciate you all being with us on the Bishop's Radio Hour. Indeed, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And we're rejoicing and glad that uh, Deacon Greg McAvoy Jensen is joining us in person. Deacon, good to see you. Oh, great to be with you, Bob. Always, always uh, uh, pull that mic just a little bit closer there. You have the gold microphone today. Thank you. <laughs> yes. Very fine. Uh, good to see you. Uh, tell us a little bit about your role here in the Diocese of Sacramento. Well, I just uh, I work in the Office of Clergy Formation with Deacon Formation, and then for what we're talking about today in particular, Office of Worship things. Right. So I, I staff the Office of Worship, and uh, that's all kinds of different all kinds, all of, different kinds of different things. Uh, t- today we're going to talk about uh, the order for reconciling individual penitents. And some slight changes. That's right. So the um, the wording that's used for any of our ritual texts, including the order of penance, is something that is translated from the Latin or the mm-hmm. or the Latin Church. In that sense, even if you don't hear any Latin in yeah. in our diocese much anymore, it's uh, that's the base text. And every once in a while, it's time to refresh the translation of that. So what we'd been using was something that was forty eight years old, and mm-hmm. so the bishops of the United States uh, did what they do with all the liturgical books and gave it a review and said, okay, here's our uh, updated, uh, refreshed translation of the same text. There's no, it's not like uh, it's not like the, the new Roman Missal or something right. like that where there were right. even more um, uh, changes in the general instruction that it had. This is a really, really light uh, revision. But when, folks might notice a few words. When they, when they decide to change something, is it... Is What's what's that usually based on? Is it is it feedback? Is it uh, uh, maybe a mistranslation, or, or or somebody thinks it's a mistranslation? Well, there's a need, regardless of the quality of the translation of the text that you've got, there is a need to update translations uh, in part because languages evolve. Uh, so the English language itself. <laughs> so, so there's a, a need to stay uh, accurate in in a changing language, but there's also the um, principles that underlie the uh, process of translation. And so that got has been updated a, a couple times. There are a couple of documents uh, that the church has provided since mm-hmm. this one, this uh, current translation, or our 19, whatever it was, 75 translation was made. And so uh, to make sure the new translation is translated in accordance with the current principles, that, that would be another reason. But I, even separate from from that, they, they'd like to do a refresh every few decades at least. Is, is so. this just a, a translation into English that's been changed? That's right. Our Spanish translation has, has no change at this time. Right. Yeah. Very good. And who does, who, who does, is the USCCB in charge of this or who's in charge of it? They're responsible for it, but they work with other English language uh, bishops conferences mm-hmm. and have a, a group called the International Committee or Commission for English in the Liturgy, ISIL. And so ISIL does the the hard work, mm-hmm. and then they provide what they've done to the different bishops' conferences. And then in you know England, they're going to spell color with a U, and here we're not, <laughs> right. we'll take the U out if it was in, and you know there'll be a few, yeah. I'm sure, little little changes like that that get color made. Color and labor. There and, you go, yeah. yeah, exactly, exactly. Honor, probably. Yeah, yeah. right, right, yeah. What can we do with the English? I mean, they, they're going to put letters in where we take them out. There I guess go. they were there first. I guess, yeah, yeah, <laughs> Anglo-Saxon language. So yeah. anyway, that's that's what we're uh, looking at today. Mm-hmm. This one's uh, relevant because uh, we're in a penitential sure. season here, and we've right. hit we've hit Ash Wednesday and the first Sunday of of uh, Lent, and so uh, penance is very much a, a focus. Um, prayer, fasting, and almsgiving is our themes, but right. uh, uh, penitence pen, penance is the uh, overall. Um, practice that we're, we're up to during the season. And then the timing of the translation is nice, too, because for us in our diocese, Ash Wednesday is when the new uh, rite or the new uh, edition of the Order mm-hmm. of Penance took effect. So it should be in use in all the parishes now uh, using this, this current language. So mm-hmm. it'll, be interesting to, uh, it'll be interesting to hear folks had uh, encountered any mm-hmm. um, surprise when yeah, they heard right. their, uh, the words of... Um, of uh, absolution spoken, for right. example, they may be very used to uh, specific wording. And of course, it, it, during the Lenten season, we usually 
have frequently have communal penance services in the, in the various parishes. That's right. Yeah. So if you're looking at if you were to take the book and look at its uh, table of contents, you'd find uh, three main different rites uh, to use, the Order for Reconciling Individual Penitents. Mm-hmm. So there's actually a, a rite book. You know, at Mass, you'd be surprised to see the priest go through the Mass without the Roman Missal right. being in front of right. him. But in, in the Order of Penance, it's a very simple rite, so you probably don't normally see mm-hmm. the book uh, in use. But there is that. That book does exist, and it does have uh, some sophistication to it, some options and things like that. The there's then the order of reconciling several penitents, and that's the communal service that you're talking right. about. And then um, there's also, uh, of course, one for, you know, if you're in a plane and it's going down, that's when general absolution uh, gets used. We, we'll never see that. We never uh, encounter that, and that's not something that's uh, of use in, in this diocese. And then there's some other uh, parts to it, like some different texts that might be used. Many people are familiar, for example, with the act of contrition, but may not realize that uh, that's uh, the place in the in the rite of uh, for celebrating confession. Uh, it's called the order, uh, or rather, the prayer of the penitent. And the church gives us eleven different options for wow. that. And not only that, they also may use their own words mm-hmm. at that point. So you don't have to use one of these prayers. These prayers are useful also for understanding what the function of that prayer is. But a prayer from one's own heart or a prayer that one composed um, is also totally valid in this uh, literature. Sure, so, sure. Yeah. That's, you know, I think that's good for people to know, you know, the, the prayer that you composed in your heart. Like, I'm sorry. Exactly, exactly. And some of these are, are really brief. Uh, for example, I mean, we've got the the longer um, uh, act of contrition. Do you want to hear the the, sure. current, the newer wording sure. for that? It's a, it, it even has a couple of versions of it there, a, a, an older version, but I don't know if that the one that they have there is the one that folks have memorized. But this one's worded, uh, Oh my God, I am sorry and repent with all my heart for all the wrong I have done and for the good I have failed to do. Because by sinning I have offended you, who are all good and worthy to be loved above all things. I firmly resolve with the help of your grace to do penance, to sin no more, and to avoid the occasions of sin through the merits of the passion of our Savior Jesus Christ. Lord, have mercy. So that's one of the longer ones, mm-hmm. and that's the one that you know yeah. the children are, tend to uh, be tasked with memorizing remember, as part of preparation. I remember learning thy instead of your. Right, yeah, yeah. yeah it's gone through some, some evolutions there. So there's the current uh, current language, which I think comes off as quite heartfelt and oh, very natural. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, it, it's, I think it comes off very well. Yeah, there, it's, not, it's not stiff at all. Right. It's very down to earth. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And then there are some others, some from Scripture. Uh, remember, Lord, the compassion and mercy you showed long ago. Do not recall my sins and failings. In your mercy, remember me, Lord, because of your goodness, from Psalm 25. Mm. Or a shorter one from Psalm 51. Wash me, O Lord, from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. I acknowledge my offense. My sin is always before me. So some are very short, even shorter, uh, this traditional one. Lord Jesus, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. We have a variety there. Very good. Yeah. And there's 11 all, all told. 11 options plus the, whatever that you might compose yourself. Yeah. And I could compose 11 more if I wished. You could. <laughs> you could. Yeah, no, it's, it, it is. I, I remember as kids um, when we would all, all, there were five of us and, and mom and dad and kind of the prayer at night, you know, after we had our pajamas on all together and and they, there, there'd be a Hail Mary, there'd be, and then there'd be, we'd kind of name everybody that we wanted to bless. It got yeah. longer every time. And then, and our father, and then it, uh, the act of contrition, it was, it was very, it was, you know, oh my God, I'm sorry for my sins. Please forgive me uh, because I've offended you. Amen. You know, it was, it was very short. It was kind of, sort of a condensation of some of these. Yeah. And it's, it's one that, Every time I do an act of contrition, it's the first thing in my mind still uh, so many years later. It's the, a very human act of being able to say, I'm sorry, I did wrong, please forgive me. And yeah. it's good that we have formulas for that sure. because 
at least in, in my experience of our current culture, that's not something that rolls off the lips of no, us not. Uh, very easily. It's so it's, it's good to have a, a prototype there for us to use, right. even if, me, and that can help us be able to express Let me talk to my attorney first before I say that's I'm right. sorry. That's yeah. exactly right, yes. <laughs> before I admit wrongdoing. That's it. That's it. Uh, so if you'd like, we could take a look yeah, uh, going through the, that'd be the, wonderful. the uh, prayer there. And you've got it there in front of you, too. So the way it starts, I don't know if folks are aware of how uh, individual confession uh, starts, but um, yeah. in the name of the Father and of the right. Son and of the Holy Spirit. So the, the penitent uh, makes the sign of the cross and says that part. And of course, and, I go back to the time where it was very anonymous, Mm-hmm. Other than the priest might recognize your voice or your mannerisms or whatever, but, but, but you, there was the screen yes. and the, the booth, and we still have that, but now there's much more face-to-face. Exactly. And folks have the flexibility there. Right. They can always go in the anonymous fashion if they'd like behind right. the screen. It may or may not be in a booth sort of setting. Right. There may be a, a reconciliation chapel that's got You'll a You'll still different see different the booths in the, in the churches at that's the back right. of the, the, certainly the older churches. Yes, yeah. yes, yeah. And they, they'll have the screen there. And then there's a, a welcome that the priest gives, and it's um, it, it might sound something like this. May God, who has shown his light in our hearts, Grant that you may truly know your sins and his mercy. I love that line. Mm-hmm. Helps helps us to, in what we're trying to do, the reason we've come, but also so that we will know the mercy of God. And there is a response on our part there, amen, to, amen. to what he says. He might say something in his own words there as well. And then following that, there is an optional uh, reading mm-hmm. from Scripture. So... Uh, and that might be just a, a line of scripture that the priest has memorized that he shares there t- so that as we're uh, ex- ex- um, coming under God's mercy and placing ourselves under God's judgment, that uh, we are placing ourselves under the word of God as mm-hmm. we do with nearly every other right. liturgical celebration. Some, sometimes right. blessings uh, might not sure. have uh, a reading in them, but we omit those only only carefully. You know, right. It's really a, a part that ideally we would include. And so that's something that may be included here, even if it's brief. And then we have our, of course, individual confession of sins. Now, notice uh, so far we haven't gotten to the part where you say, bless me, Father, for I have sinned. Right. Did, did you notice the, right. I that, have noticed that lack? That. <laughs> what, yeah. when, when does that usually come? Are you, are you accustomed to that? Um, I'm trying, I'm trying to... Um it seems to me that well, I mean, it's very early, right? For yeah. sure. Yeah, I think folks are, are used to opening with that, right? And then, that's that, certainly in my childhood. That was what we opened yeah, with, right? Absolutely. Right, yeah, and it's not something that's uh, in in the ritual text. It's something people have added, but there there is a part of the of the text where we let the priest know, especially if he doesn't know who we are. Um, for example, you, you not let him know who you are personally, but your state in life. For example, so if you're going to um, be talking about infidelity, it would be helpful to know that you're married. So at the beginning, right. you might say, you know, I'm I'm a married, uh-huh. you know, I'm mm-hmm. I'm a married. Catholic, well, you know, something like that. Bless me, I'm, Father, for I have sinned has become part of the the language in terms of uh, as an expression. Um, maybe there's. Uh, Two people uh, calling a football game, and and one makes a mistake, which and and the other one says, "Oh, bless me, Father, for I have sinned." You know, right. I mean, almost a, not a mocking, but just it's it's really part of the language. All right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the media has certainly carried that exactly. forward. It's fine to include that. There's no sure. there's no problem in that. You know that that's part of the telling how long it's been. That's part of the right. little bit of context from an anonymous uh, perspective still. Right. But you know, bless me, Father, for I have sinned. It's been, you know, a year since I've right. been to confession. Exactly. And then. You can get into the details uh, of the sins that you'd like to uh, leave behind. So, uh, and that—that's where we are then in the in the celebration, um, sharing the sins, and then um, the priest may may share some words of, of counsel mm-hmm. first, as someone who's skilled in the healing of of hearts, which and, I've and found to be very helpful. That's right. That's right. Yeah. That can uh, really make a difference for per- a person getting some encouragement, um, but also getting some advice uh, on how to manage situations. We had that famous so. priest, was it in France, where people would line up for <laughs> for hours? Oh, St. John Vianney? Yeah, St. John Vianney, yeah. Is, yeah, is yeah. he the c- cure of ours? The cure of ours, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, yep. uh, uh, yeah, 
whether it was style or what it was, um, it was really something that uh, people were, were really profoundly moved by it. Yeah. 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 And I've found the counseling in, in my, in my uh, case has always been very helpful and very welcome. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. That's, that's been a helpful part. And then uh, the proposing of uh, penance, mm-hmm. uh, which the penitent is supposed to accept. Right. Um, so there might be a thank you or something like that to, to show acceptance of that. And that's then when we'd have the prayer of the penitent. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, my God, I am sorry and repent. Are, are there, are there so. guidelines for a, for a priest in terms of what a penant should be? That's a good question. I haven't taken that course, and I, I did graduate level theology, but did not take the yeah. confessional practicum course. So I'm not sure exactly what they're taught. Yeah. There was a time, the time of the manualists, where there would be um, uh, sort of inventories of and, sin and, sure, sure. and, and, and penances to go with yeah. them in the name of justice, so that right. some people wouldn't say, "Oh, go to Father So and So. You you, you, know, you got drunk in public, yeah. but we know how he handles that. It's quite quite different." So, yeah. but and. That's uh, the manualist gave us the gift also of paying attention to circumstances. So mm-hmm. if someone committed the sin, uh, but there was you know there was uh, undue pressure or there was you know there are all kinds of different situations sure. that that same act might take place in, sure. and so they respected the fact that well there's different uh, levels of culpability in that particular case, and therefore the penance ought to reflect that. But there aren't there are specific manuals like that that folks are. At least required to follow. And of course, there, yeah, there are things that we think of as sins, but then where does conscience come in? You know, if the person if the person actually didn't think they were sinning at the time, that's right. And so, maybe later hears from a friend, oh, that's you know that was wrong. Yeah, and they come to realize and they confess it, mm-hmm. but maybe they weren't actually fully culpable at the time they. And I, I, mean, I can't think of a good example, but but where they actually thought that this was just okay. Well, if if you're bringing flowers to someone, you know, in their hospital room because they're sick or whatever, right. you know, that's a generous and a wonderful thing to do, unless they have an asthma attack because of it <laughs> and right. collapse and uh, <laughs> nearly die from it. A good example. So the, the, on the outside, it looks like you've come in and hurt the person, right? right? But the circumstance, the intention—that's what right. you're getting at, really—is right. what were you intending to do? Yeah. And and that that is critical for us. So sure, it's very important to pay attention to intention, yeah. and and also to to understand the difference between sin and a mistake. You know, you're, sure. you're doing your, your your math assignment for school, and you have an error in your calculation. Is that a sin? No, yeah, that, that's no. a mistake. You were in trying to do the right thing. Right. Now, if you never study to uh, to yeah. learn the how to actually do the calculation, then there's some laziness that's involved there, and that, that could be brought up. But uh, it's important not to, not to confuse mistakes with... Um, sin. Yeah, yeah re- really, when we're talking about sin, are we... Are we are we walking towards God? Is this a, an act of our desire to walk closer to God, or is this an act of us trying to go some other direction? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, the examination of conscience is really helpful for that. If folks are are looking for a way before going to confession of thinking how you know what what is it that I should bring to confession today, things that I might not even be aware of in my life, um, and ex- a a formula of examination of conscience can be really helpful. Folks have a computer; they could Google, you know, USCCB for mm-hmm. United States Conference of Catholic Bishops, and include the words "examination of conscience," and they'll come up with a list of several for different sure. circumstances. Here's one for children. Here's one for youth. Here's right. one. I don't know. They have eight, maybe, or so uh, there, and those can be really useful, also for helping to focus on things that are real for the confessional, as opposed to things that are mistakes. You know, there are a lot of people who have such good hearts, they're trying to, to do the right thing, um, and they're just feeling they're, they're not uh, coming up, uh, up up to snuff with it, but it's not because they're not trying. They're trying as yeah. hard as they can, and they just are feeling terrible about themselves. So that's that's not the realm of sin, but that, and that's where the counsel of the priest can be sure. very useful to affirm the good that a person is, is doing as well. And, and the, there's also... Uh, the notion of an informed conscience as well as as well as the examination of conscience where if people say well i don't have a i don't have a problem with this particular act or this particular thing i, I think it's okay and you say well let's let's 
let's do a let's inform our conscience too. Like like maybe it's something the church has decided is wrong. Let's find out why the church thinks this is wrong. I mean, we we hear that sometimes with issues of the day. You know, various politicians who are, you know, various things, and I mean, uh, saying, well, I I uh, my conscience is clear. I I don't have I don't share the church's view on that or whatever. Well, to me, that's frequently a lack of an informed conscience. You know? Right. Yes, we need to we need to study. We need to have our adult level faith formation. Right. If we're facing adult level problems in life, exactly, uh, and we're trying to run on a you know seventh grade, eighth grade, ninth yeah. grade religious education and formation and morality, it's it's not going to work well right. at, with adult level uh, right. complexity of life. So it is important to take advantage of our parish's religious education or uh, continuing education sort of offerings, adult faith formation, whatever it may be. In particular, in, as relates to confession, to things that are related to the moral life. Sure. And the study of the catechism is also very helpful I was going to say, crack open that catechism. Yeah, yeah. They, you can get the, the thicker... You've got one over there, the big, thick green one. It's the got a different one, the color green for one. the latest edition. Yeah. Catechism of the Catholic Church, which is the universal catechism in English for us. Uh, and it's a bit more encyclopedic, if you'd like mm-hmm. a something provided by the U.S. bishops that's based on that, that's a little easier to read. There's the uh, United States uh, Catechism for Adults, U.S. I don't remember if the word Catholic is in it or not, but mm-hmm. it's from the U.S. bishops. United States uh, Catechism for Adults, and that's uh, more readable, right. and but still covers all the areas of morality uh, but, that are so helpful. And that's right; that's what will help to form our conscience. And also in dialogue uh, with, you know, in prayer with the scriptures. That's another way that our conscience helps to be formed. And in, you know, we've got we've got pastors for a reason. We can consult with them because they mm-hmm. are skilled in help, helping to. Uh, guide and, right. and provide guidance. So uh, leaning on uh, trusted folks like that, and even just conversation with other Christians to help sure. clarify, understand, discuss, reason things through a bit further, all those things are, are helpful in forming the conscience. But it's true, once we understand what our conscience, what what in good conscience we think is is a good thing to do in a situation and what would be a bad thing to do, if we were to intentionally choose the bad, um, that that's a choice to walk the other way from sure, God. Sure you know, is. even yeah. even if we're wrong, even if even yeah. if we think that that is the that that's the a bad thing, and we choose it, and it actually ends up being helpful in the right. sideways sort of way. Um, what we've chosen to do is the thing that we believed was wrong. Exactly, and that that's peril. That is peril right there. So, yeah. and, you yes. know, and, uh, the thing I like uh, Deacon Greg about about the Catechism is is it's, it's, it's explanatory. Some people think, oh, it's church is just a whole bunch of rules. Uh, do what I say. Don't don't worry why. Just but it, it, the catechism is very much explanatory. This is what we feel about this issue. This is what we feel about this issue, yeah. issue or or act. And here's why. And they'll cite scripture. They'll cite encyclicals. They'll incite all kinds of they'll cite Thomas Aquinas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? That's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so having a good examina- examination of conscience is a extremely helpful thing to do in preparation for celebrating right. the sacrament of, of reconciliation. In fact, it it keeps it from being just sort of rote, like, okay, I, my calendar says I should go to confession today, and you just kind of show up mm, yeah. and punch a you know punch the clock, and and the examination of conscience tells you this is actually important and real. That's true, yeah. For folks who are celebrating the sacrament on a regular basis, one of the key benefits from it is that examination of conscience. Right. If someone's right. committed perhaps during um, during the year to go every, every month, um, they're not committing to sinning every month, they're committing to going to confession every right. month, so right. even if there were no sin to bring, uh, which would be a, a real grace. But to f- determine that, they've got to first right. spend time examining their conscience, looking at life, looking at their uh, behavior, their actions, their intentions, their walk with God. And so, yeah, that's that's very helpful to do. Uh, at that point, we celebrate the more important thing. People mm-hmm. think in the Sacrament of Reconciliation, or the uh, penance, that the, the focus is on the sin. 
um, well, the sin is the sort of material thing that we bring in right. to this sacrament, but the main thing that is celebrated there is the mercy of God. It's right. always God's actions in the sacrament that are right. the driving force, the reason for the celebration, and in this case, the, the source of our healing. So that, that's where the priest says the, the, act of, or the uh, words of, of absolution. And I don't know if you'll notice any difference. It's very minor. I don't even know if I'll remember all of it, but it's, it's very minor. The current uh, version of absolution says, God, the Father of mercies, through the death and resurrection of his Son, has reconciled the world to himself and poured out the Holy Spirit for the forgiveness of sins. Through the ministry of the church, may God grant you pardon and peace, and I absolve you from your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So the updated language uh, there is just about the same. May God, I think it was may God give you instead of God grant you, mm-hmm. pardon me, in peace. There, I think maybe three words or so that are different there, but it's, it's the same as what everyone's used to hearing. And that's such a beautiful uh, prayer to uh, and it sh- expresses the communal nature sure. of this sacrament, even when it's celebrated individually. And it's you know we didn't first have the word of God shared together in a right. in a group in the church. We still mention that this is a ministry of the community, who the, at this moment the priest is representing, not just representing the um, you know his role as pastor, but all the people in the parish, all the people of the church throughout the world. Uh, he stands in for them to welcome this person back to whole participation in the church, in their baptismal mm-hmm. life mm-hmm. as someone baptized into the body of Christ. It's beautiful. And then the the conclusion is, I think, uh, relevant, because I don't know if everybody knows this part. Uh, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. So there's a little dialogue there mm-hmm. of celebrating God uh, as, as we conclude. And then, uh, so that, that is a part that people ought, ought to know, uh, for his mercy endures forever, mm-hmm. our, our response to that. And then, uh, finally, the priest will um, dismiss the penitent, and he might say, the Lord has forgiven your sins, go in peace. But there are some other versions of that text that he might use as well, so... I like those words. It's, it's it's like releasing almost. Release. Yeah, That's it's exactly like right. You walk out and you feel full of grace. Yeah. Yeah. It's a beautiful way of reconciling with the church. And it's uh, intended both for folks who have made a clean break mm-hmm. uh, from the church through mortal sure. sin. Uh, who really need this sacrament? It's got the it's got the power. It's got the wording. It's got the mm-hmm. um, uh, it's got the depth um, to ha- to be uh, very powerful. Uh, obviously, uh, conveying uh, the grace, but also um, communicating uh, right. that to the to the penitent, uh, and then also for folks who are coming for uh, sins that might not be grave sins, uh, but are also sins that are uh, getting in our way, sins that sure. are, have, uh, have hurt others, hurt our relationship with God, and ought to be addressed. So we can, we can bring those as well. Wow. Well, powerful stuff. Yeah. Deacon, did we cover it? Did we cover everything you wanted to I cover? Think that, I think we got to the end of the rite there. So Very good. Um, there's, it's a, a little bit different in the communal rite, like the examination mm-hmm. of conscience, for example, sure. might be built in to the rite. Folks might find that period of reflection helpful if they feel like they'd also like to examine their conscience right. before that because just they know how they how they work internally and they would like more quiet and space or they'd like to journal about it or whatever it is they might right. want to do they can certainly do an examination of conscience ahead yeah. of time but the one one difference i guess with the communal right is once uh we, so much of it is done together that there's only a little bit that is done uh separately mm-hmm. so once you're um together with the confessor uh, one-on-one. I'll just open it up so I've got the right uh, thing here. After the readings of Scripture, whatever uh, reading or readings might be chosen for that, um, we have our general confession of sins, and then the penitents uh, go to the priest and uh, confess their sins. So we, we just go right into confessing mm-hmm. our sins once we're there individually. 
and then we would receive the uh, act of penance and absolution individually. And ideally, um, we, uh, the priest omits everything else, and then we, we come back uh, together to together proclaim sure. God's mercy. Sometimes the number of people there might not allow for that to happen in, in practicality, but that's what the right would uh, call for ideally, is yeah. that we go off for our individual confession, takes a little bit of time there, and we're all back, and we conclude the celebration together. Yeah, I, I've found the communal penance service to be very powerful. Yeah. Yeah. This is an interesting book also because it's got some non-sacramental communal penance services, things that might help, for example, prepare uh, during Lent or mm-hmm. uh, Advent, help prepare people to be penitential right. without focusing on the sacrament. Maybe it's useful for folks who are feeling nervous about celebrating mm-hmm. the sacrament and confessing their sins, but would like to um, start approaching you know, the door of the, the, the uh the seat of mercy of God mm-hmm. um, by uh, meditating in a penitential way. So it's got it's got some additional tools in there for clergy for the ministers to use as well. Very good. Well, Deacon, thanks so much for joining us. We look forward to seeing you again real soon. Sounds great. Thank you, Bob. Thanks so much. That's going to do it for us for today. Oh no, we're going to. My mistake. We're going to take a. I, do I have to confess that? <laughs> uh, that was a mistake, not a sin. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with more on the Bishop's Hour right after this. This portion of the Bishop's Hour is brought to you by a grant from the St. Vincent de Paul Society. Drop by and shop at the thrift store, a beautiful, beautiful thrift store at 2275 Watt Avenue. Open Mondays through Saturdays from 10 to 8 and Sundays from 11 to 6. They also accept donations at the store, donations of furniture, appliances, clothing, books, everyday household items. Your donations help to fund the many projects of the St. Vincent de Paul Society throughout the Diocese of Sacramento. Do such wonderful, wonderful work, and the thrift store is uh, one of the the ways they uh, raise the funds to help people throughout the diocese, and also uh, many of their clients are able to access the uh, thrift store for uh, items that they need. You can uh, give them a call. They will come pick it up as well, but you can uh, give them a call. They're at 916-972-1212. And remember, again, the thrift store is open uh, seven days a week at 2275 Watt Avenue right here in Sacramento. Well, Bishop Soto refers to Christ the King Retreat Center as the jewel of the diocese, and indeed it is. What a beautiful oasis it is. It's located in Citrus Heights, uh, right in the hustle and bustle of the city, and you feel like you're getting away from it all when you uh, turn off the main road and just uh, uh, come into Christ the King Passionist Retreat Center. Christ the King has served Northern California and the Diocese of Sacramento for over 60 years through parish weekend retreats, individual spiritual direction, and a variety of other programs. For information on all the programs that they offer, including residential programs, give them a call. They're at 916-725-4720, or you can visit them at 6520 Van Maren Lane in Citrus Heights. And we certainly thank uh, the St. Vincent de Paul Society and Christ the King Passionist Retreat Center for their fine and long-standing support of the Bishop's Hour. Hi, this is Laura Lynn, Assistant Director for Lay Formation, and you are listening to the Bishop's Hour with Bob Dunning. Thank you, Laura Lynn, for that wonderful introduction and for all the great work you do here in the Diocese of Sacramento. Well, we're pleased and honored to welcome in Anthony Jackson, who is the principal at St. Robert's School here in Sacramento. Anthony, good day to you. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Good to, good to have you with us. Thank you for having me. What, uh, I'm generally not in the principal's office in the afternoon, but here we are. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> for a good reason. For a good reason, yes, indeed. Indeed. I'm, you're here to tell me I won an award or something. <laughs> <laughs> We'll give you a sticker and some candy. Yes, right, right. Uh, wonderful, uh, st- not story, but a piece uh, about you and, and the school and uh, uh, Father Michael Ritter at St. Robert and, and all, about, uh, all about safe environment, the title, uh, Building Trust Through Transparency, a Mindset for Cultivating a Safe Environment as Part of the Culture and Learning at St. Robert Parish and School. Explain that a little bit. Yeah, so, uh, you know, building trust through transparency is, you know, acknowledging that we're doing everything to keep students safe, 
um, and really creating the mindset that St. Robert Parish and School um, is, a, is a healthy environment where relationships are healthy uh, and students are safe. And, uh, you know, the transparency piece is, you know, letting everyone know that these are specific requirements that uh, all volunteers, staff, and pretty much any adult who comes on campus in contact with our students, you know, have to complete you know, safe haven, background checks, um, trainings, um, and are really vetted to make sure that they are here um, for the students to serve them. Very good. And tell us a little bit about St. Robert. It's uh, K through eight, I presume. Yeah. So we're TK, TK. Uh, through eighth grade. Um, we have 237 students currently, um, and we are pretty much a very close knit community um, where pretty much everyone knows everyone, um, and uh, just a very wonderful place to be. So. This this whole safe environment, um, I mean, we're, what, since the charter in Dallas, we're over 20 years into this now. Yes. And do, do, we, know, do we know the fruits of all that effort? It, it seems as if the re- reported cases are dramatically down. Correct. Which, is, which is wonderful news. They are. And, and, you know, really because there's so much you know, in place, uh, processes that are in place to, to really ensure that, you know, safety is the number one priority. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So the, how, did the, how did the kids respond to this? Um, in terms of all of the safety or like the circle of grace, those pieces? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so the students really, you know, we create a culture of safety um, on campus. And what that means is, you know, the students know who the safe, uh, you know, responsible adults are. We also bring in outside agencies, um, you know, so they're able to identify, you know, police officers, whether they're in uniform or plain clothes. Um, you know, we, we introduce them to, like, the district attorney's office and representatives that we can have come out from, from those offices. Um, and so really what we do is really highlight those agencies during the times when we are talking about Circle of Grace, um, you know, maintaining personal safety um, and what personal healthy relationships are. Um, so really the students... Um, it's just a, it's a regular, you know, occurrence to them, um, and they know that these are, you know, adults who are helping keep them safe. Um, so really it just comes down to the culture of the campus, um, you know, letting them know that there's more than one person who is available to keep them safe. You know, I know with, with our own kids, um, it, depending on their age, there was this, you know, as parents, we've always encouraged our, you know, like you're in a social setting or something, and, and uh, there's maybe somebody that mom or dad knows, and, and you introduce them to the kids, and you, you want your kids to be kind of forthcoming and, hi, glad to meet you, and, and that sort of thing. How do you balance the wanting your kids to, you know, be part of the world and happy and, and happy to you know, welcome a stranger, and at the same time, telling them how to be safe around this stranger. So that strikes me as a delicate balance. Yeah, and I think really it's just encouraging awareness. Um, you know, teaching them that if it doesn't feel right to say something, um, as well as you know, the see something, say something. Um, so you know, they're not only looking out for themselves, but they're looking out for their, you know, classmates, their schoolmates, um, you know, if they see something that they don't feel is right, you know, they know to report that. Um, if something is happening that they don't feel is right for them to personally say something. Um, and so really creating that trust where they know that, you know, whatever they're feeling they can share. Um, and those who they're sharing with have been trained to be able to address those things um, or be able to help them 
um, you know, navigate through whatever they're feeling. And, and in terms of safe environment, fingerprinting, all that, it, it pertains to anybody in a school setting who might come in contact with the children, uh, the not just faculty and staff, but uh, volunteers who might be driving on a field trip. Absolutely. Um, that is volunteers who are driving on field trips, chaperones, um, you know, working in the classrooms for parties, um, for special projects, um, any adult who is coming uh, on campus to work directly with the students, or if they're going to be off campus, working directly with our students. Yeah, yeah. Explain the, um, the circle of grace. Yeah, so that is pretty much, uh, you know, the, the, the program that is in place to teach students about, you know, their personal safety. Um, and, you know, one of the biggest pieces that we share with students is, um, you know, bubble space um, and, you know, how to interact with others um, and, you know, what, uh, what a healthy uh, interaction looks like. Um, and it's all age appropriate depending upon what specific topic, you know, is coming up for whatever age. Um, you know, for, for our middle school students, it's a little bit more in-depth, um, you know, in regards to awareness. Whereas our littles, our TK and kinder, it is more uh, about the awareness mm -hmm. um, and what is right and what is wrong. The, the Herald story said that St. Robert's School is one of a handful of Catholic schools piloting a new social-emotional learning program. Explain that a little bit. Yeah, so that is a frenzy. Mm -hmm. um, and what that is about is it's about uh, relationships. And it talks about, you know, how to be a good friend, um, how to treat others, how others should treat you. Um, and with us, we actually integrate that with our class buddy time. Um, so, for example, some of the uh, topics and pro projects that are in uh, the uh, frenzy components um, are, you know, eighth grade is buddies with our third graders. So they'll be able to work through those, you know, together. Um, so there may be a lesson on healthy relationships. So the eighth graders will be able to work with the third graders to talk with them and model those things um, of what it is to be in a healthy relationship, you know, with their friends. Um, we have kindergarten who's buddied with sixth grade, and so the sixth graders will be able to work with the kinders on what it looks like to be a good friend, how we treat others, how we treat ourselves. Oh, very good. Um, and also, Anthony, you, you specifically mentioned the role of virtue. And that is, you know, the virtues are how we show up and how we treat others and who we are. And, you know, with our virtue program, we teach the students of what it looks like and how to model that. Um, for example, you know, what is kindness? What does it look like? Um, you know, what is, you know, right and wrong? How do we model those, you know, virtues? So students are regularly recognized for the virtues that they are um, living. Very good, very good. Anthony, uh, it sounds like you, you, <laughs> you, you, you uh, it's from uh, start to finish in a school day and even all extracurriculars uh, that you've really, really comprehensively covered the bases, if you will, of, of safe environment. I mean, whether they're in class, whether at recess, on a field trip, at a game, um, at practice, we, we really make sure that uh, safety is, is, you know, uh, the key uh, for, for all students. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, uh, I hear a lot of good things about St. Robert's School, that's for, that's for sure. Has, has uh, enrollment, has it, it picked up a little bit during COVID? It did. Um, you know, it definitely picked up. Um, even for next year, you know, we, we have a good solid uh, list of incoming families. Um, so enrollment is, is looking really healthy for next year. Very good. Very good. We well, appreciate uh, you taking the time to, to, to be with us. And uh, uh, God's blessings to you and everybody there at uh, St. Robert's School. Thank you so much.
Thanks, thanks, Anthony. Take care. Okay. That's uh, uh, Anthony Jackson, who's the interim principal there at uh, St. Robert's School, right here in Sacramento. The on uh, Saturday, March four, the Catholic Scouting to two thousand three two thousand twenty three award ceremony, uh, ten a.m. to eleven a.m. Uh, will take place. Uh, congratulating everybody for uh, their Catholic Religious Emblem Awards. It's at uh, 1019 11th Street, uh, right here in Sacramento. Also, the uh, March for Life Mass uh, will take place Monday, March the 6th, 10.30 to 11.30 a.m., the California March for Life. Uh, They hope to be the biggest pro-life advocacy event that our state's capital has ever seen. Bishop Soto will be offering Mass at the Cathedral of the Blessed Sacrament at 10.30 a.m. Also, um, what's next? Shaping the Future of Catechesis for Families and Catechists, Thursday, March 9, from 5.30 to 6.30 p.m. Uh, it is a uh, virtual webinar. Uh, the past few years have upended many traditional ways of carrying out the ministry of catechesis. As catechetical leaders consider ways to provide a full range of resources to families, as well as how to recruit and retain catechists. The need for creative approaches remains vital. Join us for an engaging online session as we mine the enormous potential of the current moment and look forward toward shaping the future of catechesis with a spirit of hope and joy. And they thank Sadler Religion for making the webinar possible. Also, uh, the Mother-Daughter Program, Saturday, March 18, 9 a.m. to 5.30 p.m. at a presentation of the Blessed Virgin Mary Parish, which is at 4123 Robertson here in uh, Sacramento. The Tweens Program is ages 10 to 12. That's 9 a.m. to noon. The Teens is ages 13 to 16, 2 p.m. to 5.30 p.m. The Mother-Daughter Programs explore God's special gift of human fertility and the beauty and wonder of God's plan for growing up and becoming a woman. The Teen and Tween Programs cover similar subject matter while differing in depth and scope. All presentations are pure, lighthearted, and affirming. Again, uh, Saturday, March 18, at uh, a presentation of the Blessed Virgin Mary Parish, 4123 Robertson Avenue, 4123, right here in Sacramento. Also, the North State Lenten Evening of Reflection, uh, 2023, Friday, March 24, from 6.30 to 9 p.m. Uh, in uh, in Red Bluff. You're invited to an evening of Lenten reflection with a special guest from Loyola Press who will help us reflect on Psalm 40, what it means to say, Here I am, Lord, as we prepare for Holy Week. The event is for catechists and uh, all leaders of parish ministry. Uh, for contact details, contact R. Magana. That's R-M-A-G-A-N-A at scd.org or uh, 530-407-0136. Also, uh, the Lenten Retreat at Our Lady of Grace School in uh, West Sacramento, 1990 Linden Road in West uh, Sacramento. Prepare your heart. Uh, that This will take place on Saturday, March 25 from... Uh, 11 a.m., uh, from excuse me, from 9 a.m. to 1 p.m., uh, prepare your heart this Lent to renew, revitalize, and recommit yourself to the mission with Holy Mass, reflection, and adoration. Uh, it's it's uh, for, for everyone. Our Lady of Grace uh, School, again, is at 1990 Linden Road in West Sacramento. And the uh, Passing on the Faith, the Pain, and the Promise the North State Confirmation Workshop, March 31, 6 p.m. to April 1 uh, at 1 p.m., all at uh, St. Dominic Parish up in the great city of Orland, uh, 830A Street in Orland, and also at Sacred Heart Parish, uh, uh, 515 Main Street right there in downtown Red Bluff. Uh, so all those uh, great events taking place in the Diocese of Sacramento. Also, um, these are partly uh, circle circle the date uh, uh, items for for everyone. Uh, Youth on a Mission, July 6th through the 8th, uh, will take place at Camp Pendola 
up in Camptonville, uh, where we have our great camp as well. This will be July 6th through 8th. Youth on a Mission is a three-day discipleship training camp for Catholic high school aged teens who are ready for the next step in their development as disciples and leaders in the church. During Youth on a Mission, youth will encounter Christ, learn practical skills for servant leadership, discover God's call to evangelize, be encouraged to serve in leadership in parish life, and be challenged to take the next step in their discipleship. Go to NorCal Youth. Nor, nor, excuse me, NorCalCatholicYouth.org uh, for registration. Contact uh, Anthony Taw, 916-733-0151, or Jennifer Campbell, 916-733-0135. You can also shoot an email to Jennifer. She's at jcampbell at scd.org. And again, that's July 6th through 8th up at uh, uh, beautiful... Camp Pandola in uh, Yuba County. Uh, the Chrism Mass, the, the wonderful Chrism Mass, will be taking place um, on Thursday, March the 30th at 6 p.m. at the Cathedral of the Blessed Sacrament downtown. Bishop Soto and the priests of the diocese will pray for God's continued blessings on the local church at Sacramento. The priests will renew their priestly promises and, and most of the priests in the diocese will be able to attend this. Uh, it's, it's quite impressive. If you've never been to the Chrism Mass, to see all these people who have, have given their lives uh, to, to God, to Christ, to the church, um, it's, it's really moving. Chrism Mass is one of the most important diocesan celebrations where Bishop Soto will bless the holy oils that are used in sacramental pre- celebrations in all the parishes of the diocese throughout the coming year. It's a very unifying thing. The, the oils all get, get uh, blessed, and then they are distributed to the uh, various pastors uh, and priests to take back to their home parishes. So they're all throughout the Diocese of Sacramento are 100-plus uh, uh, parishes, over 20 counties. It's the same oil, came from the same source, blessed at the same time, by the bishop and then distributed to go out. Uh, so it's a very, very uh, moving ceremony. Again, that, and everybody's invited Thursday, March 30, 6 p.m. at the Cathedral of the Blessed Sacrament in downtown Sacramento. Also, we'd like to uh, recognize uh, ordin- ordination anniversaries uh, and the ordina- ordin- ordination anniversaries for the month of March. Uh, Father uh, Louis Coderre was ordained on March the 5th of 1978. Uh, Father, uh, Father Juan Carlos Villavicencio was uh, ordained on March the 17th of 2018. That's St. Patrick's Day. And Father Eugenio, Eugenio Lopez Restrepo was ordained on March the 19th of 1984. That's St. Joseph's Day. And uh, Deacon Ordinations, Deacon Jacques Jacques Yaw, was ordained on March the 7th of 1993. So uh, we recognize all those people for their their contributions to uh, uh, the Diocese of Sacramento. Also, um, a reminder, uh, what's what's next? Shaping the Future of Catechesis for Families and uh, Catechists will be this uh, wonderful uh, webinar with uh, Kathy Hendricks, who's the National Catechetical Consultant for William H. Sadler. We've had a uh, great opportunity to interview her, and uh, I think uh, you're really going to enjoy it. Uh, to sign up, contact Teresa Donan, D-O-N-A-N, at 916-733-0132. That's going to do it for us for today. Thanks for listening, everyone. God bless. This portion of the Bishop's Hour is brought to you by a grant from the Mercy Foundation, enriching lives in the Sacramento region through Sisters of Mercy Ministries in health care, education, housing, and the care for the poor and elderly. For the Mercy Foundation, philanthropy is one of the most powerful expressions of compassion and love. Just as many people in our community need a hand, countless others are reaching out to them with comfort and hope. You can express your care and concern for the less fortunate with a gift to the Mercy Foundation. Uh, You can give them a call, 916-851-2000.
2700. That's 916 851 2700. And you can be confident that fully 100% of your contribution will support the Sisters of Ministry of Mercy Ministry or Ministries that you choose. And what a wonderful treasure Easter's Catholic Books and Gifts has been for all of us here in the diocese as they uh, uh, transition uh, into uh, uh, new ownership and management. Uh, they continue to offer wonderful workshops, wonderful uh, uh, resources for the Catholic community throughout the Diocese of Sacramento. Not only does Easter's provide a wide array of Catholic books, both current releases and longtime classics, but they also sponsor a number of valuable workshops and lectures throughout the year. They're, they're located at 6916 Sunrise Boulevard in Citrus Heights. Give them a call, 916-338-7272. We also receive a generous underwriting support by Crumley & Associates, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services. If you have questions about retirement, Crumley & Associates can help you with their confident retirement approach that can help define a clear roadmap to get you where you want to go. You can uh, contact them, get all the details at Crumley & Associates, 7956 California Avenue in Fair Oaks. They're at 916-638-4600. That's 916-638-4600. And we uh, are, are certainly uh, appreciative of the uh, fine and uh, longstanding support of the Mercy Foundation, of Easter's Catholic Books and Gifts, and of Crumley and Associates. We'd like to thank all the wonderful people and organizations, uh, businesses in town uh, and throughout the Diocese of Sacramento who have provided underwriting for the Bishop's Hour, uh, some in the last few years, some uh, have been with us for a very long time. If you would like to be an underwriter for the Bishop's Radio Hour, uh, it's a wonderful opportunity to, to support this mission and also to support the diocese and also uh, to get some uh, recognition for uh, your organization or for your business. The easiest way to do this is to uh, give us a shout, send us an email, radio at scd.org, and we can give you all the details about uh, helping to underwrite the Bishop's Radio Hour. Again, that's radio at scd.org. This is James McCormick, President and CEO of the Sacramento Choral Society and Orchestra. You're listening to the Bishop's Hour with Bob Dunning.